This is Paul Nobles from Eat Form, and we are here with our lifetime members who uh, got a little precursor to, to my personal life uh, before we started the call. But um, I am here with the, the director of coaching here at Eat Form, Becky Avaro, and we are going to run through various topics as it relates to a little bit more of an advanced idea, right? And so one of the things that we're going to be talking about in today, because these are clients that have been with us for a very long time. And so when you look at the people that just start like a program like ours, let's be real, the majority of them are still figuring out some things, the way, the way that they need to work out for the rest of their life and all that type of stuff, but also kind of these bigger nutrition concepts where you shouldn't be under eating all the time. You know, most people that are coming in are in fact wanting to under eat at that moment. And so there's a process we walk them through. The people on this call have been through that process. Some of them, you know, I'm looking at some of the faces have been here for many years. And so it's helpful. These are one of the best podcasts because I think that if you're relatively new to each reform, you're going to hear what it's like two years into the process, right? And I think that that is going to be super helpful. Okay, so I'm going to run into kind of the basic ideas of what we are going to go into, but but I wanted to talk a little bit about a few of the things that are coming. One, for Eden Form Kitchen, um, we have had a lot of requests for kind of a lower carb to match our low days for people that don't know Eden Form has um, low days, which means lower carbs. It's not like, you know, like ketogenic dieting low carb. But it is a way to kind of increase insulin sensitivity. I've done a few videos on that recently, which, you know, be on the lookout for that stuff. We're loving those videos, by the way. I hope you guys are loving, you guys and gals are loving that also because um, it allows us to get like these quick ideas out to you. And between myself, Sarah uh, Hoffman, Sarah Kumar, Dr. Susan Kleiner, we're, we're all putting out a lot of information out there to kind of help basic understanding, but also having kind of this library of quick hitter ideas that can be really super helpful. Okay, uh, the other thing, we do have another lifetime push. So if you want to be on these calls, that's coming for Black Friday. You know, we did kind of a, a push uh, in September, which will probably affect that uh, we just wanted to do this September so that we could get out some of these discounts. There will be some discounts for um, lifetime members coming up here real soon. So be on the lookout for that as part of the lifetime package. And there's various bonuses that will be coming. So if you want to become a lifetime, it's a great time to do it. Um, okay. So when one of the things that I wanted to talk about when we are talking about the whole process of eating form, right? So a lot of times, if you think about it, you know, you got to that point where you were a little frustrated, maybe even more than a little frustrated. And so you did something about it. You bought a one-on-one -on -one coaching through eating form, which is amazing, right? And now you've gotten to that place, you were highly motivated, you went through all the suffering, you went through fat loss one, AP, fat loss two, um, and then you got out of the diet cycle. And it's at that point where it's a little bit hard for people to maintain their motivation because there is this setup that we all have mentally that we need suffering, right? And that suffering is the answer to all of our problems, right? If we just suffered a little harder, then we would all be better off, 
And if you think about that, I think that there is sort of this, you know, mentality that can take you over, right? It's like, okay, well, I lived with joy for the first 30 to 40 years of my life, and it's sort of set me up here. I'm borderline obese, I'm insulin resistant, right? I'm having all these issues. So now I just went through a three-month period where I suffered using eat reform because let's be real, it, it is uncomfortable to eat less, right? It's very, very difficult to not cuddle up to, you know, what is essentially an abusive relationship, right? Because you may have lived this life where you know you were off the rails for 40 years that was actually my story most of you you know the majority of the people on this call are women right so you were probably introduced to dieting much earlier than i was right so many of the people that come to eat and form really don't come to eat and form as it relates to you know we're the best dieting system out there, right? They're more interested in, oh my goodness, I've been dieting forever. I am very clearly doing this wrong. These guys sound like they know what they're doing. So then you try to eat to perform, but we are very rarely anyone's first diet, right? And so what I want to talk about is not maintaining the motivation, right? Because you know, there's all these motivation videos and the David Goggins and, and uh, Jocko Willemix. And I don't even know what the female equivalent is, to be completely honest with you. Um, maybe it's like some of the CrossFit-y type women, like Annie Flores' daughter, I think, is probably a good one. But she's not, like, putting out super motivational content nonstop, right? Like, I was, wa I was watching a post the other day where she was talking about you know she had had a child um and then you know she was having issues related to the way that her stomach looked and so her picture was of kind of a pronounced stomach and so i think that the things that women experience um i mean i was watching this comedian the other night and she was talking about the fact that um, she suffers from body dysmorphia, body dysmorphia, and she mentioned that she suffers from body dysmorphia because, well, she's a woman. She's like, are there any other women out there? And I think it is much more common um, in women than it is for men. So when you look at Annie, it's really easy to see her in you a little bit but then at the same time there was a part of me that goes oh my goodness if you're Annie Thor's daughter and you're having these thoughts is there any hope for the rest of us right um and I think there is hope I think that part of what we're doing is we're consuming all this content from these super fit people. So, so I put out a video the other day and a personal trainer commented on the video, right? And the personal trainer apparently had never heard of Eat to Perform, did not know that we have 1.5 million followers. We have over 2 million followers over many platforms, right? She just had never heard of us. And she was like, you know, she kind of body shamed me. Um, you know, just because all she could see was my face close up. And for one, I thought, wow, what a shitty personal trainer that is that would body shame someone online. But in theory, like, couldn't a client of hers see that and then go, I'm not sure that I want this person in my life. I don't know that people realize this, but, you know, in a lot of cases with personal trainers, and don't get me wrong, Personal trainers are on the proactive side. They are, they are, you know, doing really good work for a lot of people. But let's be real here. There is a large amount of people that are creating these online personas of being super fit. 
They live super rigid lifestyles, right? And they're trying to motivate you every single day, right? Like I think a lot of personal trainers think that their job is to motivate you every single day. These videos that I'm putting out or Sarah's putting out or, you know, we're, we're putting them out with maybe our hair a little bit messy, right? Zit on our face, you know, all of these things to show people this is not a highly produced thing. We want you to see us as regular people giving you regular advice. And if you think that you need to be motivated all the time, I think you're going to fail, right? I think it's really about having these bursts, right? Sarah did a video on this this week where it's really about the bursts and the bursts of fat loss, right? So you take fat loss, you, you try to, to do as best you can in that three-month period. And then, as we all know, because of the way that we're doing it, you're going to lose somewhere between 15 to 20 pounds if you do it right. And then we have to get to that place where, drum roll, we are okay to gain a little bit of weight, right? For the rest of your life, your body is trying to save you. And it tries to save you by storing fat and gaining muscle. And everything that is being put out there related to health and fitness is telling you the opposite, right? And so, I mean, I see competitors. I don't really see a lot of competitors. I don't believe we have a lot of competitors. I don't think that there are a lot of people. But I know that we're competing for your attention, right? And there's at least one brand that's fairly well known within the CrossFit that just features completely fit people. Their influencers are mostly personal trainers that are highly incentivized to have an optimal physique at all times. And so what happens is, is you'll see the people that won their transformation will be like dad bod motivation 21. And I'm just thinking to myself, so all of your transformations are not set up for regular people to win. It's just set up for these people that make their living to do well. And oh, by the way, many of you go, I would like to look like that person. And I totally get that. We use that same thing. But the difference being is we have never hired outside of Eat Perform, right? Every single person that you see within Eat Perform did even form. And so you go, well, you know, um, are those transformations going to look like a professional bodybuilder? No, right? They're, they're not going to be, you know, game-changing type, but they're also not 23, right? Um, and so I, I feel like it reflects more of what it actually is. And just so you know, you know, part of my job is marketing. Part of my job is understanding social media. And whenever we put up anyone over 200 pounds, those posts get six likes. And then the posts with the people with abs, those get 300, 600, 1,000 likes, okay? I know all of you sit here and say you want more body diversity or you think that that's a great thing for the world. The reality is, is that you don't show that in the way that you support that content. Overall, I'm not speaking to anyone specifically. I'm just saying to you that we put up a picture of a client, Cindy, who's been doing Eat and Perform for years is the healthiest that she's been in a while. And you can go back and look at that, that content, probably has more uh, likes than most, right? And I'm not talking about Cindy, um, Cindy the coach, she's just Cindy the client. But it's just, it's just one of these things that we've always made a priority to show the, all the different people that are having success and you're not motivated by that. Like, well, let's just be real, right? Like, like your motivations come from the people that have the most optimal physiques because when you're serious about fitness, oftentimes that ends up being a goal. And that's a fine goal. 
But what I think needs to happen for most everyone, right, in this burrito of topics that I'm kind of laying out there, is that it's okay to not have extreme motivation at moments. It's okay to not look like the optimal physique at all times. It's okay to understand what a healthy view of fitness and nutrition looks like without having eight pack abs, right? Um, but if you keep running towards the people that, and, and once again, consuming any Thor's daughter's, you know, stuff, that's fine. Carl Saunders, that's fine. All of these, these people, they're not bad people. But I think you have to take what they're saying with a grain of salt you're not being judged the way that they're being judged, right? Annie Thor's daughter makes her living off of her physique. So when she has a slightly, you know, extended stomach, even though she still has abs, she has negative thoughts about that. That is not a reflection on your journey. When you look in the mirror, you shouldn't be going, oh, if Annie Thor's daughter has abs and an extended belly and she doesn't feel great about herself, that makes me feel good because I now know, well, I guess I'm not doing as bad as I thought. No, I think that the better way of thinking is to maybe look at that content and go, I'm not sure I need this optimal physique person talking to me about my physique or the way that I feel. Now I understand like there's an empathetic standpoint, right? So she's writing that. So this she goes, I'm one of you. She's not one of you, right? She's just not, you know? And I think what happens is, is we start consuming these content, this content and um, the, the standard that we set ends up kind of getting a little bit weird, right? And it's it's anti-weight gain. Uh, Tia Claire Toomey came under, I don't think I've ever said her name um, in this instance, but, um, but she came under fire a few years back when she started saying that she was eating 2,500 calories. And then she, she rolled it back, right? All these CrossFit ladies, they feel so much pressure to say that they eat X, right? I've seen some good ones. Amanda Barnhart comes up as an example. Danny Spiegel comes up as an example where they're saying, hey, look, I have to eat 4,000 calories. Otherwise, I couldn't survive. Tia kind of mentioned that, you know, if she's hungry, she eats, right? And oh, by the way, I don't think that she was lying, right? I think that, that she does try to hold to that standard the good majority of the time, but has some flexibility built in because one, she's not necessarily dieting. And so therefore, if she's, you know, her North Star is energy to win the CrossFit games and she's feeling hungry, she's going to eat, right? So whatever plan she has set in place, she's going to vary on it based on her personal instincts on how she feels and how she works out. I just think that when we look at these super fit people, we have to take these messages with a grain of salt. We have to be okay gaining some weight, right? This thought process of, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about Eat to Perform, and I understand, right? Like, like many of you, so this is, this is something that's very common. I think every lifer can relate to this. You come to eat and form, you've been dieting for a long period of time, you lose 10 to 15, not 15 to 20, and then you gain it back. Well, shouldn't you have? I mean, like, realistically, shouldn't you have? You know, I mean, if you were under eating most of the time, so we had a, we had a gal who did a body fat test. She had lost 10 pounds, um, and I believe it was fat loss one, and then she did AP through the summer, like I had been talking about. And she did a body fat test. Um, she 
she had gained back the 10 pounds in AP, but she was frustrated at herself and she gained eight pounds of muscle in that time and only two pounds of fat. And you literally cannot do it better than that. But there's this standard out there that we have to stay small, we have to stay weak, that even the people that are strong, they do so with these really rigid parameters, right? And if that's a message that you need in your life, I just want you to examine why. That's it, right? Whether or not that serves a purpose in your life, right? Like my wife and I did a remodel. We moved most of the things down to our basement, right? So our basement is full of stuff. Well, since our kitchen has opened, we have four bowls, four plates, four forks, four knives, right? And you know what? We have a whole lot of shit in our basement that doesn't serve a purpose anymore. And you know what? I think that's the case for many of you. I think you have a lot of shit that used to serve a purpose in your life, right? To get you to where you are now. Where you are now is a year into your journey, two years into your journey. You might view your journey as 20 years ago. You might have needed like that first of, of thing, right? But you have to get rid of the shit that no longer serves you, right? And all this, I watch motivation videos. I like motivation videos. I watch motivation videos every now and again also, right? But if I have to watch motivation videos every single day or follow influencers that are really super fit so that I get motivated to work out, I mean, that's the one thing that I wanted to say to the personal trainer. Why do you need me to have rippling eight-pack abs so that you're a better personal trainer? There's nothing about what I'm saying. I guarantee you I will 100% put me and my team's knowledge related to health and fitness against anything that that lady knows. I have a PhD registered dietitian on staff. And guess what? She also does not have rippling abs but the people that she coaches does, right? And the people that she coaches, some of whom are the best athletes in the world, you know, the Megan Rapinos, the Sue Birds, the New England Patriots, the Cleveland Browns, right? These are not reflections on that person giving you that information. So I just think that, you know, I understand that, you know, the people that are putting out six pieces of the content more often than not, I mean, the, the shirtless guys, oh, come on, man. I mean, if you're a dude and you need a dude with a shirt off so that you get off your ass and go work out, you got way bigger problems. I mean, these shirtless guys are ridiculous. You know, um, I get it, right? What they're doing is they're basically saying, I'm fit, you know, so therefore you need to take my information, most of the information is actually not as helpful as anything that you might get from Dr. Susan Kleiner, right? So um, if you're watching the podcast, I lost my, my earbud. Um, and so just kind of keep these things in mind, like why do you need these things in your life, you know, and do they serve a purpose? And maybe they still do serve a purpose, but I think that there has to get to a point where, and I, I've talked about this before, I will end my rant on this note. I go to Ojai, California. Ojai is bit, um, during the winter time. Um, we've done it three times so far. Um, and it'll be our fourth time. The, my favorite people are these group of 70 to 75 year old women and men like these big groups of 12 people and they're eating cheesecake and strawberry shortcake and, 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 and they're eating spaghetti. People at 75 don't have time for this shit anymore. They just don't, you know? And I think you have to ask yourself, is this pursuit of optimal fitness something that is serving me well? Because I don't think it is for most of the average person, right? And so think about, is this what I want to show my children? Is this what I want to show my teenage daughter? Is this what I want to be 
when I'm 70 or 75. And maybe it is, you know, and maybe that will change eventually, right? But hopefully my voice or the things that we're talking about can give you a, a little bit more of a well-rounded perspective along with the Annie Thorstar. I feel like I kind of shot down Annie Thorstar. I follow Annie Thorstar. I like I like Annie Thorstar's content, but I don't think all of it serves me well, right? And so you have to kind of keep that in mind as you're consuming social media. All right, Becky, let's get into the questions. Okay, first off, we have just a general question from Angela about Each Perform Kitchen. She wants to know when it's coming to Canada. So it's not coming to Canada for some time. I will tell you, um, I'll, I'll give you a little of the inside scoop. One of the ideas, so if you're not familiar with this concept, uh, it's actually a really big concept in the con in in the world of DoorDash and, and Uber Eats and things like this. It's called ghost kitchens, right? And so, what we are hoping to do is set up a series of ghost kitchens um, in Canada at some point. Ghost kitchens basically exist. This is where we we would kind of need to figure out whether or not they have enough space or, or whatever, right? So that we can operate um, or someone can operate. Yeah, we may actually reach out to the community um, because we might need someone in Vancouver or someone in Saskatchewan or someone, you know, in Ontario um, to basically be this for people. And so um, we are hoping that in six months or so we've made some headway, but nothing that's going to be happening within months okay the next question that we have is from amy she said can you talk about intuitive eating and pr i feel like i eat the same foods and i am using etp kitchen for two to three meals a day i'd love to try intuitive eating but not sure how the coaches feel about this since the program is so focused on how well we hit our macros each day I've also heard opinions from other nutritionists who say it's unhealthy to track your macros and calories long-term. I'd love your thoughts on this. Okay, so so the nutritionists that say that are talking about restricting food, right? Because that's all they do, right? And And, or they're responding to the fact that they own a business where they're teaching intuitive eating, right? And so they want you to move to their way of thinking rather than our way of thinking, right? And our way of thinking is that the majority of the time you're eating macros in abundance, right? But there is something that you don't know, apparently. I intuitive eat, right? I'm actually going to be moving to intuitive eating real soon now. But what I don't do is go, oh, I'm going to run a diet cycle and then I'm going to intuitive eat within two weeks of it, right? No, I need to work my macros up. I need to make sure that I'm relatively weight stable. And then uh, once I'm over 3,000 calories, you know, I would say 2,500 calories for women, you're probably pretty good. What I think that, um, and I talked about it when I was recapping my fat loss, um, what I think that you find with intuitive eating in general, it's, it's sort of funny that the intuitive eating people are so critical of, uh, of macro counting and under eating because that's essentially what ends up happening when people intuitively eat. One, and then the other thing too, this is, this is, this is just uh, frustrates me so much. The intuitive eating people are also the same people that tell you that the scale lies to you. It's like you can't have both, right? You have to have some checks in place because then you're going to end up at the grocery or at the doctor's um, 30 pounds ab above your weight going, I should have never listened to that intuitive eating person. There was, there was this one lady, um, she, she was huge on social media, right? And she was intuitively eating and she had gained 30 pounds and she was telling everybody, you should be comfortable gaining 30 pounds, right? 
And I know a lot of people were like, yeah, I am not comfortable gaining 30 pounds. But she had this huge following. And um, then all of a sudden, she like went dark for like three to six months. Guess what she did? She went back to dieting, right? And then she apologized to her fans. And all of her fans were like, oh, yeah, you know, like, we forgive you. Like, really? Like, like she told you this thing that ended up being a huge negative for her life. And, and what essentially she was saying is intuitively and avoid the scale, right? It's like, well, if you have no checks in place, how do you think that's going to end up? Well, for her, it ended up really badly, you know? And she, you know, her fan base, of course, is going to be like, yeah, we're just like you. It's like, no, you're not just like her, right? You're, what your situation is, is you're not talking to 2 million people every day about their life and how they should manage their life. There has to be some checks and balances in place. So when I move to intuitively eating, I weigh myself every single day. And so I talked about that a little bit, that intuitively eating, you are going to end up under eating occasionally because you're managing your weight with your, um, you, you're managing your weight by the number that the scale is telling you. Right. And so for me, I understand that I need to push things as my weight goes lower. Like, for instance, if I push up to 3,000 calories, I move to intuitively eating and I start to lose weight, well, then I know I need to really push the calorie side thing a little bit more. Right. And maybe I need to be a little bit more conscious of my calories. But what I can't do is go, Ding dong, the witch is dead, the mean old witch, right? And go, the scale is now saving me. It's like, no, 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 you're just under eating, right? So you're just dieting all of the time, right? So all of these intuitive eating people, I know that they have good intentions, but they're not telling you to not count your macros in a reverse diet. They're telling you that if you're counting your macros and you're constantly trying to eat 1,100 to 1,200 calories, that's the message you're, you're not hearing from them, right? The great majority of people, like even Susan talked about it on one of our recent podcasts, where she moved to intuitive eating and she, once she started to realize, once, so she started counting calories just to see where she was at. She was at 1350. Susan Kleiner, she wrote a book called New Power Eating, right? is literally the first guide on what ultimately became like eat the before. So if you're not careful, you will under eat. And so, so kind of keep that in mind. Okay. Jen says, is a fat loss cycle necessary? Can you just stay in maintenance? So we don't believe in maintenance um, because maintenance is kind of a moving target right so as your calories change your body changes your mind changes everything changes so it's more favorably um yes is the answer right you can live in maintenance the way that other people live in maintenance where they're eating 1200 to 1400 calories most of the time right i used to believe that you could Certainly, there are people. I mean, I went seven years without doing a fat loss cycle. So, you know, um, it it somewhat comes down to your mental ability to be a little uncomfortable. If you're saying maintenance is, you know, I'm weight stable nonstop. Good luck with that. You know, like I just think you end up being too rigid doing it that way. You will under eat as a result of it. And so therefore, you know, I think strategic cleanups are important. One of the lessons that I've kind of figured out a little bit is that I think I'm going to do more strategic cleanups. Like Sarah Hoffman, Stephanie Berg, uh, 
a lot of the people that many of you look up to, what they tend to do is a cleanup for about six weeks, maybe sometimes a full fat loss cycle once a year. You know, I don't know that I'm into that once a year because frankly, I don't care about gaining a little weight. I know that I need to gain weight and I need to gain weight. I need to get, have a little fat on my body for my body to build and hold on to muscle, right? That's going to be favorable for longevity of life. So I don't have the thoughts that many of you, and I'm trying to convince many of you to not have those thoughts also. When you look at Sarah, when you look at Stephanie, they follow this same path. They do gain weight in the process. And oh, by the way, if you look at them, they're super jacked, right? So I think that a lot of the parameters that we all put on ourselves, they're sort of made up, right? Maintenance as a scientific concept is real, right? There is a number that you will stay weight stable at, right? But the problem that you run into in that scenario is that number will not adjust if you don't adjust with it, right? And so you're supposed to be able to push things as you go. And then as you go, that maintenance number will be higher and higher and higher if you allow for a little bit of variance. One of the things I talk about all the time is that we're held to this unrealistic standard, right? Where the majority of people after they diet and lose 20 to 30 pounds, they gain 20 to 30 pounds, right? We're held to this standard where if they gain five pounds, everybody freaks out, right? And the reason why people freak out is because realistically, it brings us back to that suffering. It brings us back to the abusive relationship we have with food that we're now all of a sudden thinking to ourselves, that is the way that I'm going to mentally be okay with the scale or, or whatever. It is a game of, 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 of levers both ways. Right. And you are going to have to figure out a way to be comfortable having a little bit more weight, working out more efficiently, doing things on the positive side of things. But there will be that discomfort mentally related to, you know, um, gaining three to five pounds, fluctuating even up to 10. I mean, if you lost 30, right, and you gained 10. That's a real good result, especially when you consider the fact that most of you have not had optimal protein. Most of you have not worked out optimally, right? And when you do that, you actually hold on to more muscle as you go, right? Okay. Um, Angela says, I'm in PR and life got away on me. I'm back to my weight when I started ATP. Oops. Anyway, I have my next fat loss cycle scheduled in January, and I'm not sure if it's possible to get my weight down before fat loss, or do I just suck it up and stay at this weight until then? Is there something I can do to bring my weight down before fat loss? Is increasing my exercise the option? By the way, I feel uncomfortable as clothes are tighter, not really the way I want to continue feeling for the next two months. So. Yeah, I mean, that is not, you know, in my professional arena, right? Because you're talking about a mental concept that does not need to exist, right? Um, the fact is you are where you are, right? And so if you're saying, is it okay for me to find a way to under eat, right? Um, because the answer is no, right? Like the, just to be clear, um, now you can put in a lot of effort, but whether you're putting in effort or eating less, it's the same thing, right? You're still changing the dynamics of your body so that when you go to fat loss, it's going to be less effective. Okay. For you to say, like the best thing that you said and what you said is that I made a mistake and I want to fix it. If you want to fix it, fix it the right way. Don't fix it the wrong way, right? Because 
if you think about why you made that mistake in the first place, do you realistically think that starting a marathon training program and then moving into fat loss is going to be better or doing, you know, two hours worth of workouts a day to earn your food? Wouldn't it be a better exercise mentally to be okay being who you are now, right? I'm sure you're fine. You know, like, I think that one of the things that happens, and this is a good thing, by the way. This I'm not saying this negatively. We hold ourselves to standards higher than other people hold ourselves to or hold themselves to. And that's a good thing, right? We are fitter than the average person. But the problem is, is that we compare ourselves to, once again, Amy Thor's daughter and the fit people and the people that you're following on Instagram and all this other type of stuff, when in reality, that's not who we should be judging ourselves against. We should be judging ourselves against the, who we were previously, right? Who we are now, taking into account the four kids, right? Two kids, in Becky's case, 17 kids, you know? Um, and and we have to go, am I a CrossFit Games athlete or am I a nurse? Am I a lawyer? Am I a teacher? Am I a mom? Right? All these things that, you know, I mean, when I look at some of the people you compare yourself to, they have three people that post on their social media, right? They run their social media. They have a personal assistant. Um, the pictures that they have with their kids, they are playing with their kids the majority of the time because they spend a lot of time working on all these other things that they've done what I kind of talked about beforehand, where they have bought time in their life so that they can then have more time with their family. Because one, that shows up really well on social media because it looks like they're a great mom and they are a great mom, by the way, you know, but is that your reality, right? And so I would highly encourage you as a mental exercise, it's two months, right? Like, like, like I think what you learned from your experience was that PR is the hard part, right? Because we're all of this mindset that we just get in, we do an oil change, and then the car runs well. It's like, well, Really, it's not that part, right? It's the maintenance after that part that really needs to come into play. And my guess is that as long as you were working out in that process, maybe you weren't, maybe you're coming back to, to, to workouts. Let's get those workouts to be a little bit better, but don't do the workouts to earn food. That's a really bad thing to set up as a relationship for your life. And so- that would be my suggestion. I think that uh, mentally, a lot of the bullshit, I'll just tell you guys just a little secret, right? When my weight goes up or my weight goes down, um, obviously when my weight goes down, there's a lot more clothes that I already have bought that I can now fit in. But when my weight goes up, I buy another swear pair of sweatpants, I buy another pair of jeans and I buy three t-shirts. This bullshit that you have this a massive wardrobe that doesn't fit you is not reality. And if you continue with that narrative, all you're doing is setting up these scenarios that you say, most people say they don't want in their life. So don't do it, right? And, and I understand it's difficult. I still have those thoughts in my head. But you have to have the majority of your thoughts being, I'm going to empower myself. I want to love myself in a way that people around me so that my kids love themselves, right? That they don't see mom and dad constantly dieting, constantly trying to be, you know, this amazing level of fit so that they can post pictures on, on social media or whatever, or so that at Thanksgiving, everyone goes, oh, Marge, you lost a bunch of weight, right? It's like, well, what did you think of me when I was here last year when I had that weight, right? When I was working towards being stronger and weightlifting, they don't know your goal, you know? I mean, the this is why it's so unhealthy 
for you know many people to be commenting on people's weight in general. All right, Becky, speed round. Let's do this. Okay. Uh, the very last thing, um, Lacey wants to know how to distinguish earned food versus used food. I think that is a fine line for many of us. Well, it's a fine line, but I mean, you know, if you find yourself doing a workout because you ate food yesterday, well, then there's the line, right? Like, don't do that right? There is only one reason to exercise, and that is to get better at exercise. That's it, right? And so it, what you're essentially asking yourself is every single time you work out, am I here to get better at this, right? And so if the answer is no, I had a big meal, and so I am trying to... So, so your your steps so this is interesting right so i believe that the people at fitbit should get the nobel peace prize they move the needle as it relates to steps more than anybody else right um and they gamified it and all of us are more aware of steps because of fitbit that changed the world trust me it did right but what do we all know now? It's not just the steps, right? Yeah, I was doing three to 4,000 steps before and now I'm doing 10,000, so it's made a big difference in my life, but it's not just the steps. I didn't all of a sudden get rippling eight pack abs because now I do 10,000 steps. We all do 10,000 steps now because our body just adjusts to that and then we move on. So I would say that there is no line right? There is no fine line for all of you, right? You're either exercising to get better at you at what you're doing, right? Or you don't like it. And then maybe you need to start auditioning other things to see whether or not that could be good for you. You know, I can't lie to you and say to you that when I play pickleball, I weigh less, right? And that that's not a little bit of a factor as it relates to pickleball, but the reality is, is I would play even if I didn't because I love pickleball, right? I think what you're saying for some people, if you're saying for some of us, it's a fine line. I don't think it is a fine line. You're either exercising to get better at exercise or you're not. This comes back to the main theme of this podcast, right? Your body for the rest of your life is going to try and grow. Your body is going to try and gain weight. Your body is going to hold on to fat. We do strategic cleanups to deal with that fat. This is about living a long life, right? And so if you are running because you had date night the night before and it's suboptimal, You've got a 60 reading on your whoop and you're forcing yourself to work out. Stop doing that. It's just not smart. It's setting up a negative relationship with food, with yourself that you can kind of move on. Now, if you go to TikTok, if you go to Instagram, you're going to see a lot of people, like a lot of what we're talking about. You know, this is interesting because, you know, my daughter is um, an intern here at Eat Perform. And the media that she consumes is very different than the media that you consume, right? The media, the media that she consumes is much more about body positivity where you are at, right? And that's gone a little too far, right? So there's, there's two sides, right? There's the, there's the body dysmorphia with eight pack abs, Right. And then there's the celebrating an unhealthy lifestyle. Right. If you go to TikTok and, and search what I eat in a day, guess what you're not going to see? A lot of healthy meals. What you're going to see is people gorging on food that is now, there's a whole group trying to make socially acceptable. And I can tell you, as someone who was obese for a very long time, 
that I had all the jokes, right? I was like, no one pulls their hamstring on a couch, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, that's what social media is doing in real life, right? Is that the people that are living these unhealthy lifestyles are now wanting those unhealthy lifestyles. Like you can see all manner of drug abuse. You can see all manner of, of and, and body positivity is going into this world of celebrating um, unhealthy behavior, right? And why are people on, why are people celebrating unhealthy behavior? And then why are people consuming that? Well, they're celebrating it to say, I'm not ready nor do I want to do something yet. Usually it's people that are really cavalier. You know, they're in their, they're 28, right? They're 300 pounds. And when they go to the doctor, the doctor reprimands them, but they're not seeing like huge repercussions. They say to them things like, you're at risk for diabetes or you're at risk for this, you're at risk for that. But then they hit 40. And now all of a sudden that cavalier behavior at 28 starts to feel like, oh, wow, I really had set up a lot of bad habits that I now need to change, right? But one habit, and, and I, do think, I do think that this is something that does need to be celebrated a little bit more. Um, it has happened for a long time. This idea that women, as an example, over 200 pounds don't work out, I know to not be true, right? Um, but I don't think that all the women that are over 200 pounds have the motivation to get to 150, and I don't think that they need to, right? I think they can be perfectly fine, Becky shaking her head, yes. Um, and, and, and by the way, you know, how many other programs do you see, right, where the lead of coaching, who is a full-figured woman, right, is posting and trying to show all of you that you can live this life of a strong woman, right, who's had multiple kids, who still makes health a priority in their life. The reality is, is that the majority of us were only motivated if we can see that progress, right? It's people like Becky, it's people like Cindy Boucher, it's people that exist in our community that don't exist other places, right? They kind of exist beyond. We had a coach back in the day that moved on to another company and she was over 200 pounds. And I said to her, I was like, one thing I want you to consider is that the culture that you know, you've helped build doesn't exist over there, right? And what's it going to be like for your mental health? And hopefully she's made strides over there, right? But if you never view food coming back as part of the answer, then you're always setting people up for failure, right? And um, I, I have to imagine it didn't work out really well. Right. I just don't think that the culture that we've built that is supportive of many different types of people exists everywhere. And you have to ask yourself, am I okay being in this group? That essentially shames me into wanting to be 150 pounds when in reality, I don't know that that's actual reality without a level of motivation, a level of leverage against yourself that you may not have nor want. You think you want it on Sunday, October 29th, right? But then two weeks in, you realize this is going to be a lot harder. And, and you know, one of the things that was kind of a lesson of, of my fat loss cycle. So I'm about, like, if you do the math, I'm probably about, 10 pounds away from single digits, right? I have no interest in doing that. Um, because what happens is, is it seems easy. It's like, let's just lose 10 pounds. Well, I just lost a bunch of weight. 
right? So it's not it's not like I'm losing ten pounds and then uh, or ten pounds from a higher weight. Similar to the conversation we were having earlier, should I should I try to lose weight before I go into fat loss? If you try to lose, if you try to diet before you go into a diet cycle, you're just going to make the diet cycle less effective. You know, work on building lean mass in that process, and then you'll be in a better situation. I wouldn't rule out a cleanup for myself a year down the line, maybe even six months down the line. Let's just say six months. I don't think that's going to happen, but let's say six months. I would be in a much better situation in six months than I would be to try now, right? Still, there's going to be a level of suffering to go from 15% to 99 that I just don't think most people are aware of. If you've ever done it, and I've done it multiple times, right? What you start to realize is that I'm more comfortable as a human being at 15% than I'm ever going to be at 9.9. And then what happens when you get to 9.9 and then it goes to 10.1? Now are you obsessive about getting back to 9.9? And now are we talking about maintenance for a man at 1,800? And now are we talking about maintenance for women at 1,300? And it makes you just go, I'm 54 years old. Do I want to do this shit for the rest of my life? Right? Is it possible that I can just be healthy and not have these messages? That I can just do my exercise and get better at exercise? That I can do some strategic cleanups along the way? right, um, that allow me to have that mental peace. I'm not saying to you that it's not rewarding, you know, at the end of fat loss to fit in genes that I fit in before, but it's also not shameful to me when it doesn't stop fitting, right? Um, I think most of you probably saw my costume of uh, from the Beauty and the Beast, right? And so I'm the, the candlestick and my wife is Fifi the Feather Duster, who is like the love interest in Beauty and Beast for the candlestick. And um, but that costume was large. I fit very comfortable in a large in most instances. And it's a little tight. You know, am I gonna return it and get an XL? No, I'm gonna loosen the top the bottom button most of the time. Like we just need to like all chill out a bit about this stuff. Now. If you are constantly finding yourself moving into bad habits, right? A lot of that is coming from you're doing it too hard for a result that doesn't mean that much to you, right? Like if you in fat loss and you go, I am done with this shit, you're probably doing it right, right? But what you can't do is then go, okay. I'm actually going to ignore the advice of the eat-informed people, and I'm just going to move to intuitive eating. I'm going to have my cheesecakes and beers, and all of a sudden, a week later, you're seven pounds higher. That's not going to be helpful, right? So um, we had a few questions come in late, Becky. Um, I'll run um, there's a couple of them that I'm going to address later directly to them in their file. Okay. Um, this last one says, I've been doing ETP forever. I had a trend sheet. That's how long I started ETP kitchen because I'm not very consistent. I noticed my weight creeping up. Probably what happened is that I was under eating and not noticing over time. Now I'm closer to my target. Should I have my coach dial back my macros until I can work my way back up again and stay here or just take the weight gain? So take the weight gain is the answer because you're going to be building lean mass in theory if you're exercising. I'm not going to necessarily say to you that, there, look, let's be real. Some of you also have hormone issues, right? That you might address down the line. Part of the process of each reform is to go, okay, I did that. I learned this from that experience. Now let's do this experience, right? So me saying lean mass, you have to understand, I am someone that takes testosterone. Becky takes testosterone. Many of you do have hormone deficiencies that you're trying to address with diet. Addressing it 
properly eating more is a good thing, but it might not have told you the full picture. You also might not be highly motivated to um, do that. Like as an example, my wife has no interest in hormone replacement, even though she knows that her levels are probably pretty low, but she's fine mentally where she's at, right? For me, as someone in the fitness industry, things of this nature, I just want to make sure that I'm doing the best I can. Doesn't mean that she might not change her mind later on. A little harder for me to change my mind because once you start um, hormone replacement, you're basically just resigning yourself to going back to, I'm not going to say being sick, but, you know, operating at less efficiency, which I don't think most people would want to do. Not the end of the world if you do that, but there are some consequences to it. I, I think that you have to stick to the process. If, if you do what you're saying, all you're really doing is just setting up this scenario that you're dieting all the time. Right. And so what we 100% know since trend sheets is that what we're doing is better. Right. Uh, one of the things that we found out recently, uh, we've actually known this for a while, is that AP should probably be a little bit longer. So we're starting to counsel people to kind of do that. Once again, that's the opposite of what you're saying. Right. If we can extend those AP cycles, if we can extend those PR cycles, now all of a sudden the fat loss cycles are way more rewarding. So now instead of losing, you know, six to eight pounds, you lose 10 to 12 pounds, right? And in that process, you're doing more of a healthful thing for your body and mind most of the time, right? But if you're constantly trying to restrict, right? If you're eating the eat to perform kitchen meals, and you're gaining weight, that tells me you are way under eating because these are healthy meals with low sodium, right? And so, so definitely let's correct that piece. Let's put a fat loss. See, this is one thing I would definitely suggest for most of you people out there. Stop being reactive, start being proactive. If you need to mentally put a fat loss cycle on the books at January 1st, I need you to tell your coach to really push things, right? So that you can be ready for January 1st. That might mean that you have to gain three to five pounds in that process to do it, but you will be more lean after your next fat loss cycle as a result. And you'll actually get the, the, the result that you want. But most importantly, you'll be able to create this scenario where you're not dieting the majority of the time. I can tell you one of the things that is a very big difference from when we were doing trend sheets to now is that with trend sheets, we tended to get people to around 1400 and stop, right? Now we go a little bit lower, we get those extra three to four pounds and that makes a big difference mentally, right? What I think you're kind of doing right now, based on what you just said, is you lose six to eight pounds and you gain six to eight pounds. You lose six to eight pounds and you gain. Let's learn the lessons we have learned over the past six to eight years and let's use those lessons, right? Not saying that people weren't having great success at that time because they were, right? And, and we have years of pictures to show it. But what we know now is that for a large expanse of people, there's just a better way to do it. And so that is the better way. But mentally, I do think you probably do need that. I think the lady in, in PR that was asking if she should lose weight, I think she, she has to stick to that January 1st deadline, right? And then on January 1st, I can tell you from my experience going to 4,000 calories in AP, you'll look forward to fat loss, right? if you're pushing those calories, right? But if you kind of just half-ass it, you know, and then you gain weight, but that weight is from alcohol, that weight is because you weren't exercising through that period, you know, you gotta ask yourself, you know, are, is what you're setting up a positive for your life, 
right? Is the example that you're setting for your family, is that what you want to do, right? Is the example for yourself, is that what you want to do, right? So um, hopefully that helps. Uh, I know we have a lot of concepts here, but man, you know, it felt like we, we dug into some really good stuff. So I appreciate everybody being here. And these are always my favorite because it allows us to explore a little bit more of the mentality, a little bit more of the people that have been doing it long-term, talking about the fact that, hey, you know, I kind of let shit go. I'm coming back. How should I approach it? The, this is the secret sauce. That's that's where the real work gets done. So I, I love having those conversations with all of you. Talk to you later. Bye now.